Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome back, devotees. This week we are joined by not one, but two people. Who could they be? Ooh. It's, it's Poop Hour. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. This is Courtney. This is Sasha. I'm not the Courtney you're used to. Yes. This, this is, is not the Courtney you're looking for. Du- double the Courtney, double the pleasure. <laughs> like a whale penis stuffed with horse hair, you're getting two Courtneys for the price of one. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you guys get to see a little hint of what we were discussing before. <laughs> yes. Try and figure that one out, internet sleuths. So we're from the podcast Spoop Hour, if you aren't familiar. Yeah. It is a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by us, to longtime friends who are also Halloweenies, which yeah. means we're afraid of everything. So it's not so much a horror podcast. As us nervously laughing our way through our discussion of like ghosts and cryptids and anything that murders. Really, all of the things that go bump in the night. Cemeteries. Whatever. Whatever. We'll talk about it. Yeah. And we'll nervously laugh and make fart jokes. Exactly. What more could it's, you want? <laughs> isn't that how you get rid of being scared of things as making fart jokes? Yes. In my experience, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's worked wonders for us. Except for when we we recorded on the first episode of Fatalities with Dr. Lisa Lucas. And I was like, well, we're downstairs. I'm going to take the trash out at night. After talking about about Slender Man. And (laughs) it was a mistake. And we live next to some woods. (laughs) And I assumed there would be light, and there was not. There was no light. So fart jokes could not save me. Yeah. Oh, that was my... When I lived at my parents' house, we lived in the woods, and we had, a like, one of those floodlights, but, of course, anytime I had to take the dog out, um, at that point, we were doing a, we- we do a weird thing with our trash at our- my parents' house, but, like, I'd go take the dog out, and I was like, remember, the melon heads are only one town over. They're only <laughs> every time. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just like, huh, how far do melon heads travel? I never figured it out. I don't think they'd go across town. No. I imagine they're lazy. They're like us, but with bigger heads. So can't imagine it makes it easier to move around. Yeah. That lift's probably expensive. Yeah. And they're like, I have the lowest rating. Yeah. And there's no lift. Yeah. So they're not even trying. They're like, yeah. I have a low rating because one time the guy got scared and gave me zero stars and now nobody will pick me up. So. So funny. Whatever. Whatever, man. <laughs> so you guys are going to go first. Yeah. You want to tell them what you're talking about? Yes, we are going to be talking about the Dietlov Pass incident. It's fun. It's I love fun, it. It's spooky. It's historical. It even exists at Disney World. It's everywhere. <laughs> Wait, what? It's... Oh, we'll get oh, we'll into it. Don't you worry, Sugar Bear. <laughs> That's how wholesome and fun it is. They have it's it at Disney World. The most wholesome fun at Disney World it involves the deaths of nine people. Spoiler <laughs> alert for the Dietlov Pass incident. Oh, anyway. if you ever want to talk about Disney being horrible, we can do that. <laughs> oh, we you can talk to Sasha all about that. We did an episode did after an episode. one of her Disney yeah. trips about the spoop at Disneyland yeah. or Disney World Disney, yeah. and all the ashes that get left in the Haunted Mansion that then just get vacuumed up. So yep. the vacuum at Disney is haunted as shit. I have several friends who work for Disney and they tell me stuff. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> Oh, I was just talking about how Disney is a garbage person, but okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's oh, also no, Walt, trash. Walt is trash, but like all the weirdness around Disney. It's like, like, it's built on a foundation of trash and it's just like a house made of spoop. Yes, basically. Yeah. 
on a foundation of garbage. So semi Chicago too is literally built on trash and then spoofiness. Yes. 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 Yeah, and then exactly. also spoofiness. Yep. 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 Okay, so let's All right, talk about Let's Yellow. talk about Russia, shall we? 60 years and a month and a half ago, to the day I did the math. Wow. Something shifty happened in the Soviet Union that would go down as one of my personal favorite historical mysteries. Igor Dyatlov led a team of nine ski hikers into the Ural Mountains on January 27th, 1959. After two days, they reached a pass in the mountains and made a cache of surplus food and supplies for the trip back before they would start the climbing part of their journey, which to my understanding as a non-hiker, that's a pretty routine thing to do if you're an experienced hiker. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're going to put this stuff here, then we don't have to carry it with us, and then when we come back, we can get it. But the expedition would come to an abrupt end sometime in the night between February 1st and 2nd as they moved through this pass in the mountains. Sounds fine. At some point, likely due to poor weather, the group took a wrong turn and headed in the opposite direction of their intended destination. Once they realized their mistake, they decided to stop where they were, build a camp, and presumably rest before course correcting the next day. And this was an odd choice because less than a mile away from where they built their camp was a forest that would have offered cover from the inclement weather and the snowstorm, but instead of going that literally extra mile... They were like, nope, we're good. We're just going to set up camp here. So there is speculation that Dietlov himself was like, look, even though we took the wrong turn, we did go up higher. We gained altitude. We don't want to lose that by doubling back. Or we can just practice camping on an exposed slope since we're going to have to be doing it later in this journey anyway. We may as well get started now. Either way, they parked where they were. I'm thinking it's because he didn't want to ask for directions. And that's why they also yeah. true. There were women in the group, and all the accounts I have read does not they, they don't speculate as to whether the women were like, if we had just asked that's for directions <laughs> when I said we should, when I said the compass said we're going the wrong way, Igor. <laughs> anyway, Igor, which is the most Russian name you can imagine. Oh, we're gonna get some real Russian names. Real it's gonna Russian get names. super Russian, <laughs> even though this is when it was the Soviet Union. So we're gonna get some real Soviet names. Hell yeah. <laughs> Wait. Now, there we go. Yeah, there let's go. kick them legs. <laughs> Everybody the do podcasts the are not a visual medium, but we're all doing the the Russian the Cossack dance. Yes. <laughs> anyway, after this moment of levity, the team was never seen alive again. Woo-hoo. And I bring us right back down. <laughs> we went right back down that mountain. Oh yeah, and it's gonna get worse. All right, how much worse can it get? So much worse. Tell me about it. So we're going to first flash back to the start of the journey. So Igor Dyatlov, an experienced hiker, agreed to send a telegram to the sports club when they got back to their starting point, which is the Russian city of Vizai. Okay. And the S... Can we just say that's the most Russian thing is that they're having a sports club that goes hiking? Yes. Yes. Well, because what other sport are you going to do? What else are you going to do in Soviet Russia? I, I don't think snowball fights is sports, comrade. Sports, sports do, you. do you in Soviet Russia? Sports club do you. Sports club. Anyway, <laughs> the estimated day of their arrival back at the town was originally February 12th, but Dietlov confided in Yuri Yudin that the 12th was going to be unreasonable because the journey was definitely going to take longer than that. And fun fact about Yuri Yudin, originally he was supposed to be a member of this group. But he had rheumatism, and due to a flare-up of it, his joints were hurting, so he decided to turn back, like, on day one, and so he wasn't going to go with them all the way through this fateful trip. So, the 12th of February comes and goes, mm-hmm. no sign of Dietlov, nothing from the group. 
But nobody really raised any red flags because right. Love had said, don't worry about yeah. it, guys. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. It's going to take a little longer. I'll telegram you when we're back. It's probably not going to be the 12th. So everybody's like, okay, fine. We're on, we're on board with that. You shouldn't be. But <laughs> eight days went by. So now the relatives of the group are like, hey, I know he said it was going to take longer, but eight days isn't longer. Eight days is like a whole extra journey yeah. on top of the journey. Yeah. So what gives? And finally, after they kicked up enough fuss, a search team was organized and eventually the military got involved and the rescue operation was underway. The abandoned tent would be found on February 26th, badly damaged, covered in snow, and partially trampled. Oh. While the tent had... By elephants? Well, we don't know that it wasn't <laughs> elephants, because we don't know what it was. Mammoths? <laughs> definitely, definitely <laughs> mammoths. They're bringing them back, guys. They're they bringing are. them back. The back. guy from Jurassic Park is like, I'm going to bring back dinosaurs. I didn't see Jurassic Park, which is literally based on me. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum tweeted at him. You should know. <laughs> he should listen to Goldblum. Listen to Goldblum. Anyway, Goldblum would probably tell you the tent itself was empty, but the group had left all of their belongings, including their shoes and most of their clothing, behind. So naked people in the snow seems healthy. Yeah, seems fine. In the Ural Mountains. In Perfectly. the USSR. Fine. Totally. What could go wrong? Investigators found eight or nine sets of footprints left by people wearing only socks or even barefoot, leading towards the woods that were a mile away from camp. That was Chekhov's woods earlier. I set it up, and now it's coming home. Now it's coming home. Uh, can I just say, <laughs> wet socks seem so much worse than just cold feet. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, yeah. just gross. Damn. Soggy. soggy. So your feet are going to get all waterlogged, but they're not going to be any warmer. Yeah. So it's going to be worse. Yeah. At least with feet, you're just cold. Yeah. They're not like also wet. Mm. Yeah, you'll just get nubs then. You'll be a brat stall. Yeah. <laughs> there are worse things to be. Those girls have huge eyes. That's great. It's great. Anyway, <laughs> the trail literally went cold when only 1,600 feet from the original campsite, the footprints disappeared under the snow. Good. But the search party was like, hey, looky there at that Siberian pine tree at the edge of the forest. There were clearly the remains of a fire. Mm -hmm. So they probably came through here, built a fire. No sure. biggie. So the search party like tromps on over. But unfortunately, once they got to the remains of the fire, they found the first two bodies. Yuri Doroshenko and Yuri Grigory Krivonyshenko. <laughs> I was going to look up how their names were pronounced. You're doing and your best, sweetie. You did good, you. and I think we should just keep drinking every time there's a Yuri. Yeah, oh, every time. There's so many Yuris. <laughs> there's, like, three Yuris, and then, like, four Alexanders, <laughs> and then, like, to the point where they have nicknames, because they were, like... Gregory. Gregory. Like, Yuri, the second Yuri was Gregory, <laughs> or Georgi, I don't know. George. Or if you Georgi. have, like, a Vladimir, Vladislav. I don't think there are Vladimir or Vladislav. I'm so sorry. I did no, date a Vladislav. Crushed. I'm not gonna lie. Wow. Did was he a poker? No. No. Have you seen what we do in the shadows? You need to please. You should watch, you should watch yeah, what we do in the shadows. But it's been a minute. He also okay, wasn't. you should watch it again. He was from the USSR though. He was from Uzbekistan. Oh. Oh wow. Oh. Huh. I dated an Alexi, but he was from Finland. And also he sucked. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Also a very Russian like... name. I know. Yes. When I first I met him on an internet dating site and I was like, oh I bet this dude's Russian. Nope finish that's that should have been the immediate red flag i know red flag i thought he was russian 
A literal red, red flag. flag. <laughs> oh, this is such a horrible event. I didn't realize what I had done until I had done it. <laughs> this is such a terrible event, and this is so great that we're just making jokes because it is truly, truly horrible. If you don't make jokes, you cry, and then if you cry, the audio quality quality yeah, goes exactly. down. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just snot tears, which nobody wants. Two Yuris, both dead. One maybe Georgi. Both were in their socks and wearing only their underwear. Yikes. I mean, it's probably, like, long underwear. I mean, it doesn't say, it doesn't but say what kind even of if it is long underwear, we'll get into why it's not a great choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be in your underoos in the Ural Mountains. Yeah, I'm just gonna assume everything is gray, too. Yes. Yeah, probably. Or, like, potato-colored. Yeah, just very beige. Yeah. And gray and yeah. gloomy. I'm just... In this case, it may also be kind of fleshy, because, again, they they were, you know, 20 days out from when they went on this journey, Yikes. so... Probably a little decomposing. I'm just... I no. can't remember the... <gasps> Hipsters, that's the Russian movie I watched, where they would wear... Dress like Americans in the 50s, and everyone else is wearing, like, gray. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the oh. gray people. <laughs> Yes, so these are the gray people. These are not the hipsters. Oh my god. So, take Salas. It's it's gray people. Anyway, gray people. upon examining the area, the searchers found evidence that one or both men had tried to climb the tree that the fire was built under, possibly to look for something. Their hopes and dreams. Their... Unfortunately, they did not find it. Between this tree and the camp, the searchers found three more bodies. Dietlov himself. Oh no. Zeneda Kolmogorova and Rustam Slobodin. That sounds like a drink. I yeah. mean, yeah. I'll rest them your Slobodin. Oh, yikes. <laughs> These bodies were found in such a way that suggested they were trying to get back to camp when they died, and each was located in a different spot. So they didn't die all at once. One got a little further, one got a little further, but they all ultimately died, and it looked like they were trying to go back to their ruined tent. So they all went to the tree. Something yep. happened. They tried to get up the tree to see mm -hmm. things, and then they were making their way back. Well, and that's the other thing. Something probably happened when they left the tent mm -hmm. because the tent had been sliced open from the inside. And remember, they left all of their belongings and they left in such a hurry they didn't even have their shoes. Yeah. So then they bolted towards the woods, got to the tree, built a fire, and then some of them came back, but not all of them. Yeah. You should just sleep in your shoes if you go camping. That's all this is telling yeah. me. I mean, if you're going to camp in the Ural Mountains, just be a little uncomfortable and leave your shoes on in the yeah. tent. Yeah. Like, sorry. Maybe you're not going to get the greatest night's sleep when you're in the Ural Mountains. I don't yeah. know. The remaining four bodies would be found on May 4th, 1959, more than three months after the expedition began. Those are going to be ripe. They Yikes. were found under four meters of snow. Oh. So maybe so not refrigerated. Super refrigerated, a little decomposing, but four meters of snow. So really just preserved. Preserved. Yes. Very, very cold. <laughs> And that's why these next details are going to be a little rough. They were found in a ravine about a half a mile further into the woods than the first two bodies. So, just setting this up geographically, we start from camp. They slice open tent. They run from tent. They make it to tree. Two bodies found outside remains of fire in tree. Three bodies found between tree and camp. And then the remaining four bodies found oh, about man. half a mile further into the woods from tree. Strange. Okay. Three of the four were almost fully dressed, and there were signs that they had pillaged some clothing from those who died first. Ludmilia Dubinina was wearing Krivoshenko's burned and torn pants, so his pants were burnt. 
And then she put them on because presumably she had left the tent in a state of undress. Mm-hmm. He died and she was like, I'm going to well, take his pants. I got to take the pants because otherwise I'm going to be dead too. And her foot had been wrapped in someone's torn jacket because again, no shoes. Oh yeah. Using like fabric is a long tradition for shoes. If you don't have shoes. Yeah. yeah. Even Christopher yes. Columbus did it because he was a broke asshole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. These were presumably not broke assholes. They were just cold. And they were like, and- oh, I wish I had shoes. Mm-hmm. As if, so they and they're like my friend died so uh, he would want he, me to live and have my he doesn't foot still. need this anymore he doesn't need it anymore like if I were to die in a cold scenario and you needed my clothing by all means help yes. yourself yes honestly if you needed to you could also eat me but I understand if you have concerns about that yeah I don't want to cut you up <laughs> I understand <laughs> I, I am not on the planet Hoth <laughs> just crawl inside I'm me it's all warm I'll just take you right in <laughs> a Courtney suit. Oh. Yes, <gasps> Sasha in a little Courtney blanket. Whoa, it's like a it's like a snuggie. It's, like, it's, it's Courtney. Snuggie, it's Courtney. <laughs> we have to laugh because it's about to get so much worse, you guys. Okay, you tell me. <laughs> oh, like, so. Sasha has just like curled over in a little ball. <laughs> She's now out of frame. I'm like out of frame totally on the webcam. On the <laughs> thinking about Courtney suit. I'm just picturing naked so and afraid boring. now. I oh, love, God. I love that show. I would, be, I would still, I would be in Courtney. <laughs> and like, let me be quite honest. I'm really religious about applying lotion. Yes. So my skin <laughs> Actually, is very soft. very soft. So you should be so lucky. I would be so lucky to I wear your skin as a suit. I put the lotion in my skin. I don't get the hose again. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, how, how, how much worse did, could this get? How did they die? I'm sure you both are asking yourselves this. Hippos. Maybe not Sasha, because we've talked about it before. How did they die? Hippos. No hippos. Honestly, maybe. <laughs> not super far out there. At the coroner's inquest of the first five bodies found, it was concluded that they had all died due to hypothermia. One man had a small skull fracture, but the medical examiner determined that this alone wasn't going to be enough to actually kill him because it was just like a tiny crack. There's also always the paradoxical undressing that can come with hypothermia. So basically, if you're in the late stages of hypothermia and you're literally like on the cusp of freezing to death, because you've sustained so much nerve damage, your body starts to feel like you're being burned alive. And so you start to take your clothes off because you're like, oh my God, I'm so hot, I'm so hot. And it's called paradoxical undressing. So the fact that they were all found in various states of undress, their undies, whatever, Mm. it's possible that it's because they were all like, oh my God, I'm so hot, I have to take my jacket off, I have to take my pants off, I have to take my shoes off. So, which is terrifying. It's te- it's super terrifying. So, so but like, if you're not freezing to death, you just have your friends stripping aggressively at you. Yes, but again, first five bodies, they were all like, "This is what they were." Because again, first five bodies were almost all found in a state of undress. Mm-hmm. So they're like, all these people stripped. They were all dying of hypothermia, and the coroner concluded, "Okay, this is the paradoxical undressing." Right. These people, they died of hypothermia. Bing, bang, boom. We're done. Put a bow on it. Not that spooky. But then they found the other four bodies. Because remember, there was that big time gap between yeah. when they found the first five yes. and the second four. Shit got weird after that. <laughs> Shit, was it already weird? Yeah. No, it was super normal up until then. <laughs> no questions at all. They were like, this seems fine. One of these hikers had major skull damage. And Dubinivna and Semyon Alexander Zolotaryov both had major chest fractures. How major? The medical examiner said it was equivalent to the force that they would have sustained in a car crash, except they weren't in a car. 
they were on a remote mountain. What if it was the Winter Soldier? I mean, yeah, it's possible. 59? Yeah, Yeah. honestly, Cold War. It's possible. We'll get into conspiracy theories at the end, so just file all of these away, because (laughs) it's possible you're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. There's a high chance. (laughs) And then adding to the craziness, for me, this is the spookiest detail. So they have these major, major bone breakages. Mm -hmm. Like, one guy has incredible skull damage, which obviously killed him. The other two have these crazy, crazy chest fractures. No external injuries that would suggest that they have these insanely broken bones. Do you think it's because they were so cold? No. So basically, the theory is because no soft tissue was damaged, Mm -hmm. they're like, it's it's kind of what you see if somebody gets hit by a car mm-hmm. in a particular way. It'll crush the bones, but your musculature will be fine, mm. weirdly. I don't know. Hard to imagine. Yeah, so yeah. I have more detail about yeah. it later. We're going to dive into it. The only external injury was on Duvenina, who was missing her eyes and her tongue. Um, no. How are we all doing? We good? We have her? <laughs> no. It was super normal before? It was super normal before. <laughs> like, the eyeballs You're like, for some I reason. wish it was hypothermia. Or like when you read about serial killers and they cut the like nipples or breasts off and you kind of just, you grab yourself and you're like, the eyes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're like Whoa. my eyeballs. Yeah. yeah. Don't do anything to the eyes. No, never. Just don't do it. Leave them be. Yeah. And I'm such a smart ass that the tongue just, it feels like a threat. Like your parents make to you like, I will cut out your tongue if you do not be quiet. So maybe we should be looking at Juvenina's parents. Ooh. There we File go. that one away for when we get to theory time. Right. So, what happened at what came to be known as the Dyatlov Pass incident? Because they named the pass after him after they all died there, which is nice. Previously, it was just a pass. Now it's the Dyatlov Pass. That's yeah. I don't... Is it nice? <laughs> or is it just commesor- commemorating his horrible death? I like, mean, do you want to go to the place where had, a bunch of people froze to death? He had a less horrible death. He only froze to death. He didn't have major internal injuries. Like, he could have done a lot worse. Anyway... Initial speculation was that the nearby indigenous Mansi tribe had murdered the crew for encroaching on their lands. And keep in mind, Russians are generally quite white. Mm -hmm. And what do white people love? Blaming indigenous folks for doing stuff. So this would fit neatly into that narrative. But very quickly, once all the bodies were discovered, this theory was quickly thrown out. There were no signs of hand-to-hand combat, no signs of a struggle other than that they had sliced the tent. But that happened from the inside. So unless... Mm -hmm. One of the indigenous persons got inside the tent and then cut his way out. Probably not that, because they would have had to cut their way in. Also, nobody had any defensive wounds or anything that suggested that they had recently been involved in a fight for their lives. And presumably, even in an ambush scenario, you would see, you know, defensive wounds on the arms and on the hands. Right. None of that. Yeah. Pretty immaculate bodies other than the being dead part. (laughs) There was also the matter of the footprints, because remember... The party, when they seemingly willingly left the tent, other than the fact that they cut their way out of it, there were only eight or nine sets of footprints. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a whole bunch of people came in because there would have been yeah. there would have been more footsteps, possibly right. even some shoe marks, and there just weren't. And yeah, that's that's a that's the really conclusive thing. It's like there's no other feet mm-hmm. here. Only feet that had come out of that tent were the feet that went into that tent. And do you think they? They uh, crime scene did a little bit where they didn't go across the feet prints. I mean, that would have well, cause see, I I've been thinking about this for years since I learned <laughs> of the Dietlov Pass incident. <laughs> yes. So basically, somehow, if we're going with this theory that this indigenous tribe did it, 
somehow one of them would have had to get inside the tent, force these people out of the tent so they would have sliced their way out. And then the whole tribe would have had to just like parachute in so they could follow along behind them. Because otherwise there's no way of making the eight or nine people follow in their footsteps. What if... Hit me. I'm thinking of the horrible King Arthur movie with Keira Knightley. Oh, I always forget that happened. Yep. Everyone does. Uh-huh. Um, but you know how they're all in the woods? Like, someone, they make enough noise that they freak them out of the tent. Mm-hmm. They go run towards the woods, let them get comfortable, and then just kind of, like, pop out of the woods like they're ghosts. So, here's the thing with that. The woods were a mile away. So this, mm-hmm. and there was a raging snowstorm happening at the time. Cause remember they got off track because the weather was so yeah. bad. So whatever noise they were making would have had to have overcome the blizzard noises and then spooked them enough that they would have been like, we got to get out of our safe, cozy, warm tent, all of us in our all together and just blaze out of here in our undies. That is true. I'm not, I'm, I'm team hashtag not the indigenous tribe. But that's just me. I'm always team hashtag not the indigenous tribe. Yeah, that's fair. But... Anyway, for sure, probably not it. And there was the fact that, again, they were not wearing shoes. And right. that's a weird, unexplained detail. They were all underdressed for the admittedly harsh conditions. And one would think if you, if something had happened, that would cause you to go, okay, we need to end this expedition early. So maybe, you know, say somebody got like violently ill and you're like, okay, we got to go back early. Right. You would say, let's bundle up. Let's put our shoes on because the weather was negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit with snow consistently coming down. You're not going to be like, let's do this. Tits out. Let's go. Mm-mm. No, you're going to be like, I'm going to put them away. I'm going to put on four jackets and then we're going to go home. Put on your onesie. Put on your onesie. Put on your Courtney Snuggie and just get out of here. <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> and even the hikers with injuries were weird. As I said before, the medical examiner said that the force that had caused their injuries basically because it was equivalent to that of a car. Mm-hmm. There's no way another human being could have done it. Right. And again, because no soft tissues had been damaged, even if a human being like smacks you with a cudgel, mm-hmm. you're going to get a bruise. You're going to have obvious signs that your soft tissues, something has happened to them and they didn't have that. Hmm. When the investigation into the deaths closed, the official verdict was that they had all died due to quote, a compelling natural force. I don't know about that. And that's it's very compelling. And that's when we get into the compelling stuff. It's conspiracy, conspiracy. theory time. Well, it's, I mean, it's Soviet Russia. Yeah, of course. So yeah. They probably have the answer. It's buried in some archive. Nobody's, well, now you probably can't do it because they're going back towards not letting you do that can't bribe enough. <laughs> Maybe if you have enough bribe money, you can get Putin to let you I see mean, it. we sure aren't rich enough. No, we definitely don't have the bribe money. No, we don't even have whale penis money. Like, we're, we're basically, no. we're basically we're poor useless. So. Because, yeah, my professor, we had kids who did um, research in Russia, and they were kind of like, if you go to the archives, like, I'm like, okay, I'm in the Britain. They're fine. Mm-hmm. They'll mm-hmm. let you in. Like, certain people, and then they had a bunch of Russianists, and they were like, yeah, you need to budget for bribe money? Oof. Like, I hate that. That's oh legitimately God. a factor in academia in Russia. They're Ugh. like, and the one, our one main professor, he was, he was saying, yeah, when I was there in, like, 93, 92, 93, that wasn't a problem, because they didn't really have a 
functioning government. Yeah. And yeah, you had to do a little bribing to get in because everyone, like the economy was gone. Yeah. But now that Putin's cra- cracking down again, you definitely need bribe money. You that definitely sucks. need connections. And you need like big bribe money, not like here's a 20 and a box of potatoes. Let me know about it's this prob- jet love pest. Yeah. <laughs> It'd probably be like a hundred and some nice vodka. Who has the money for that? Vodka is potatoes, though. It is. <laughs> I guess we could ferment our own. Liquid but potato. <laughs> liquid potato. Anyway. How does it get compelling? So, for me, there are a couple different conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. I'll start, I guess, with probably most crackpot. Yeah, most crackpot. A Yeti did it. Yeti. And Sasha, what prominent pop culture icon location <laughs> supports the Yeti theory? Expedition Everest. And where is that? Disney's <laughs> Animal Kingdom. What? So, when you are in the queue for uh, Expedition Everest, if you're in just like the regular line or even the fast pass line, it takes you to this thing that's called like the Yeti Museum. And mm-hmm. it's this covered space um, in the queue that has all these glass cases that have artifacts of like some expedition and they said it in 1982 but that had gone wrong and it had photos and like letters and descriptions and things that are very similar to the Dyatlov Pass incident as though the Imagineers were like here's a spooky story that happened why don't we just move why it 30 don't we just years move in the it future to Everest so we don't get sued and not the Ural <laughs> Mountains and we'll put it in you know like you know a Yeti did it because right? that's that's the other fun detail they did keep a very detailed journal in the tent, and yeah. the journal indicated nothing weird. That's how we know they were off track. That's how we know mm-hmm. that they were like, well, tomorrow we'll just go, we'll get it. Yeah. Because their journal was like, everything's cool. It's very fascinating because I, I didn't have that much of a chance. So I didn't have that much of a chance to look at it the last time I went to Disney, but definitely had a lot more than the last, last time I went to <laughs> Disney because... I was in the single rider line and my friend was like, why don't you just hop over the thing and like go take pictures of it? I was like, I don't want to get kicked out by Disney police. <laughs> so um, yeah. the last time I went, I was holding up the line behind me because I was trying to take photos of everything because I needed to show Courtney. Um, but yeah, it's very much like they've made it look very similar to the Dyatlov Pass incident, which I think is very fascinating. And also, Except, I think a Yeti did it. Yeah, in the final photo. So mm-hmm. I've actually seen these pictures from when our high school band yes. went to Disney World in like 2005, I want to say. Uh, six. In 2006. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I had never heard of the Dyatlov Pass incident at this point. And then now it's taken over your life. And now it's taken over my life and it's all I think about. And I have a bunch of red yarn string in my room set up from all of my kooky conspiracy theories. Yes. Sasha lives with me. She Your knows. cat must love oh, it. She loves, oh, she loves it. it. And she, she undoes it my work and... every night. And then I'm research. like, this is even better than I thought. And I connected in new ways. Anyway, so <laughs> when I was in the line for Expedition Everest, I saw these photos and they do it in a very realistic style because they're like, we found a camera, we developed the film. And it's like a picture of a tent, a picture of a hiker, a picture of some boots. And then it's like a bunch of blurry pictures. And then the final picture is this like zoomed in face with like monster teeth. And it's like blurry, like somebody's being attacked and they just take a photo of their attacker. And so like 
15 year old Courtney was like, oh my God. And that this was is so spooky. And this is like right after the ride opened. Yes. And so this is when the Yeti animatronic was still working as well. Yeah. So it so, like comes down in a taxi. <laughs> so like we get on this ride and I'm like, what is what happening? Are Yetis actually, real? And there's like animatronic Yeti a taxi. Yeah. And, and then yeah. like the ride goes backwards after the Yeti comes out. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So <laughs> I don't think I went on that ride when I went to Disney, but it's been so long. The animatronic definitely does not work anymore. Yeah. It just is there. But it's a great roller coaster. I'm a Yeti. (laughs) You think Disney has enough money to fix the Yeti? Apparently, because it's like encased in the permanent structure of the mountain. And it's such a strange break in the animatronic. They don't know how to fix it. So what you're saying... The last time that anyone tried, like mentioned anything about it was in 2013. So like seven years after the ride opened and six years ago from now. Um, <laughs> and they still haven't done anything about it. What you're saying is the Yeti on this ride sustained an injury that is unexplained and hard to fix. And people from years ago were like, maybe we should do something about it. And they were hushed. Yes. The Dyatlov Pass incident has been cracked wide open. Cracking it wide open. And I will say, I learned about the Dyatlov Pass, like, probably mm, eight years after I went on this ride. Yeah. And my friend was like, oh, you like spooky stuff. You should look up the Dyatlov Pass incident. That's my favorite. And I was reading the Wikipedia page, and I was like, this sounds really familiar. familiar. And then my brain went, oh, the Yeti. Everest. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it changed my life. Yes. So, one, a Yeti did it. A Yeti did it. Too. Less spooky. Less spooky. Wait. Sorry. Is there any history of Yetis in the Ural Mountains? The Ural Mountains. Well, I mean, the general speculation of Yetis is, you know, any kind of high altitude, mm-hmm. cold weather, mountainous regions. And if you ever watch the Sci-Fi Channel original movie, Yeti, <laughs> The Curse of the Snow Beast, which is incredible and full length on YouTube, recently made my significant other watch it and he did not break up with me so it's free it's It's free it's worth every penny i was just amazing thinking um there's that new movie that's coming out it's like stop motion clay from leica studios um that's about leica the russian space dog yes but anyway it's about (laughs) bigfoot trying to travel across the world to find the yetis because he thinks that he might be related to them Mm -hmm. is it missing link or something something like that that. yeah Yeah, it's got it's got wolverine in it it does so, oh my god. We're big on yetis anyway, in this household. Anyway, aren't aren't yetis though only in Europe and Asia? I thought. Well, so in theory, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> what we don't know about yetis is just massive quantities of knowledge. So my personal thinking is it's the sort of thing where like, yeah, okay, nobody's ever spotted them in the Ural Mountains, but maybe that's just because people don't go into the Ural Mountains very much because the weather's not great and can change a lot. And maybe the Yeti in the Ural Mountains is just better at hiding from people, yeah. except when he spots nine people looking like a snack in their tent. They were looking like a snack. They were looking like a snack. <laughs> and then he made a noise outside their tent. And the reason why we didn't notice those footprints is because they didn't look like human footprints. Ah. Or he is like White, white Walkers and brings the storm. Or that. And there was a storm. Looking like a snack. It was a Yeti. All right. Theory number two. And this is my personal because I don't, obviously, I don't believe in yetis. Don't at me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So this theory is the one that holds the most water for me. This is the one that I personally think is responsible Mm -hmm. for it. We've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. 
1959, height of the Cold War. USSR is trying to get a leg up, trying to win the space race, etc., etc. There is a theory that they were testing some sort of weapon in the Ural Mountains where, you know, it's pretty uninhabited. So in theory, no one would be there to witness if they were using a giant bomb or testing a nuclear weapon Mm -hmm. because the force that caused the injuries could also be explained by some kind of explosion because that's Mm. going to give off the kind of energy that a car crash does and cause the similar internal injuries without external signs. Mm -hmm. So... Then the Russian government, hasty to be like, what? No. We didn't so do anything of that say, sort. say you're on a hike and you go off course from where everybody knew you were going to be going and wander off. And you're like, no, this is fine. Well, maybe the Russian government, the USSR, wasn't planning on someone being there then. Ah. Maybe they were like, look, an uninhabited patch of mountains. Let's just go ahead and lob whatever we're going to lob over here. And then whatever kind of sonic missile or whatever first disoriented the crew enough that they were like, we got to cut our way out of the tent. We got to get out of here. Then in their state of undress, some of them got hypothermia and died. Others of them had sustained serious injuries from the force of whatever exploded or whatever missile and died later. And then the, the Soviet Union was like, what? What missile? You're the missile. Don't look into this anymore. (laughs) Exactly. Or, like, I I also agree that's, like, the most likely just because of how secretive they mm-hmm. were. Like, if you try to, for a long time, if you tried to look up how the Romanovs died, you couldn't get the actual documentation, even though, like, several villages knew they were there. They're like, this is weird. Has anybody like, seen the Romanovs lately? <laughs> weird. They just saw very fancy people go into a mine and never come out. That's normal for fancy people. They think potatoes grow in mines. They're very simple brain. We don't like the fancy. I'm so sorry to anybody listening with an actual Russian accent. (laughs) (laughs) Your Russian accent is definitely better than your uh, Irish. Well, actually, your Irish and your Russian ones are good. Thank you. (laughs) Better than any other accent that you do. The Russian one is just from a lot of practice. My boyfriend's cat is named Chairman Yao. And for some reason, I determined that means that he calls my boyfriend his comrade and that he has a thick Russian accent. So he'll say, comrade, I am so starving. Why is there never gravy in my kitty bowl? I am starving to death before your eyes. Please give the gravy. So I, I've gotten very good at the Russian I don't know why if he's chairman meow, he's not Chinese, but then that could get worse. So Yeah, Jack yeah. pointed that out. He was like, I don't know why he's not Chinese, but honestly, this is less offensive. So we're just going to go with it. Anyway. <laughs> China, Russia, there's some very yeah. close areas. His alternative name is Benedict. That's the name he came with That's and we a- liked it, so we kept it. Yeah, I, I like calling him Benedict. Benedict. Yeah, he's the Benedict Or Miss, boy. Mr. Meow. Yeah, Mr. Boy, Mr. Chairman boy. Meow, Man of Chairs. The Mr. Cat. He has a lot of <laughs> nicknames. Um, he's a very chatty boy. He has he's a, lot a very of, cute boy. He has a lot of thoughts and feelings about the capitalist pig dogs. Mm. I've only met him a few times. He's, he's a, a, good a really boy. good cat. He's a good boy. He <laughs> likes being held like a baby. Anyway. This is not time to talk about the cat, but he's a great cat. You should be so lucky to meet him. <laughs> I hope Yeti, but I feel like secret cover up, op. Yeah, yeah, op, secret op is more plausible. Yeah, yeah especially because um, they've found Soviet stashes of weapons and um, nuclear components places in, mm-hmm. in yeah. rural areas of Russia and around the USSR, former USSR. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, what if they were... They were doing it during a storm or, like, they had a plan to move, have a stash somewhere in case, say, 
the U.S. and the USSR actually did go to war. I mean, it mm-hmm. happened a couple times. We almost did. And yeah. they heard them moving, but in the sound of the storm, it sounded different. And mm-hmm. they panicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Granted, in and a panic, I always put my shoes on, so I'm just like, no. Yeah, but if they were disoriented from any kind of maybe a nerve gas agent or any mm-hmm. kind of covert op missile type thing if they're disoriented they're not going to think to grab their shoes in the same way that if your house is on fire you're just going to get out of your house basically i never want to test this theory no, no. we don't want to test the theory <laughs> let's not and test also, this theory i don't know want to know what i would do if i was shoeless no in an emergency would i try to put my shoes on or no. would i just book it let's all hope that to, to live <laughs> such lucky lives that, that we never i never have, have to, to figure out, out if Actually, I need my shoes my dorm freshman year we had fire alarms 13 times Ugh. Because we actually had kitchens. Oh. Uh, that sounds like Like, evil. on the floors. So, like, each <laughs> each half of the, like, each wing had a, a kitchen on each floor. So, like, granted, the one girl set it off with hairspray. So, she was a lot of hairspray, apparently. Oh, okay. okay. And a lot to of the people, point where it deprived the air of oxygen and the smoke alarm was like, oh, my God. Yeah. That sucks. And then some people didn't realize they needed to put water in Easy Mac. That, That's a common occurrence. I... I don't remember when I told this story. It must have been on one of a podcast, but um, somewhere <laughs> when I was a sophomore in college, I got dumped in a really vicious way and I was just like really upset about it. And so my friend met me at the library and she was like consoling me or we were walking around campus while I was like crying it out. And then this freshman boy who smelled a little singed came running up to us and was like, can I borrow someone's phone? And I was like, um, okay. And I gave him my phone and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm near the library. And, and he's like, like panicking and talking to someone and he's like, okay, okay, well, um, I, I'm just going to go to such and such as dorm and I'm just going to stay there. Okay. Bye. And he hung up and I was like, are you okay? He was like, yeah, I was trying to make mac and cheese and then I set my kitchen on fire and now my dorm is evacuating. And I was like, oh no. He's like, okay, bye. And he like left. It's more common than you'd think. And I was like, honestly, I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> you set nothing on fire? I didn't set anything on fire. Mm-hmm. It's fine. A dopey boy dumped me, but I'm not going to be kicked out of school. So yeah, this is fine. Yeah, we yeah. had a, a couple at like 2 a.m. So I know my immediate reaction is like yeah. shoes, coat, like ID, and then out the door. So like oh, I, I know my yeah. reaction internally is like, like <laughs> grab the necessities and go. So I'm still like, mm, shoes. See, for me, I have been mentally practicing because I have anxiety yeah. for what would happen since I've been in this living situation in the event of I'm the only person home and there's a fire. And my action plan is just grab one cat, grab the other cat, and tuck and roll out of here. <laughs> so I've like practiced different scenarios. So <laughs> double fisting. Like yes. double fisting cats and being like, okay, so one cat's going to be there, one cat's going to be there. So I'll just pull the bed away from the wall and yank the one cat. And then the other cat will presumably be on this part of the bed. So I'll just grab her by the scruff of her neck and I'll keep those far apart because they don't really like each other. And then we'll just sprint out the door. Anyway, it's something I've given a lot of thought to. Shoes do not factor in because I'm so focused on cats. Wow. Okay. See, my so, mom's yeah. plan was always like grab photo albums. <laughs> that oh. was my mom's plan too. She kept all the photo albums in the same place. And she always told us when we did our like practice fire drills as a family, she's like, this is where the photo albums are. You just grab the container, you go out. Because it was literally next to the front door. Wow. We weren't even that organized. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. Where do you think my anxiety came from? Yeah, it's <laughs> from a very organized family. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe too, too organized. organized. Yeah. 
Anyway, earlier you said they would want to test things in a rural area. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw this out there. You can't spare, spell rural without ural. That is true. Also, the question would be, how close is the nearest military base that we know of? And that's the thing. We don't know because we don't know what we don't know. We don't know. Also, they could have like super secret underground bases. So what if they were on top of one and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, they make noises? That's also very true. And then that would explain why the footprints disappear into the snow, because that's maybe where the opening goes for the military base. So it came up, and then when the snow resettled, bye-bye footprints. And then another weird thing happened literally last year with regards to the Diablo Yes, I saw there was an update. Yes, and I have never seen this, so I was just like, oh my god! There's an update? I think I saw something, but I didn't read it. April 12th, 2018, the body of Zolotaryov, which if you'll remember, he is uh, the one who had the chest damage, so the severe chest fractures and whatever. On April 12th, his body was exhumed at the behest of Russian tabloid journalists. They found contradictory results. One, let's all stop for a moment and respect the fact that tabloid journalists were able to exhume a body. Like, and get the okay for it. Fascinating. Also, they're not in jail, so good for them. Also, presumably not in jail. So, I don't know if they exhumed his body and then, like, noped on out of there or what, but whatever. Anyway, exhumed body. And then they found contradictory results. The articles I read in English only quoted one expert, and I assume that's because the other experts were like, no, this holds water with the official state explanation of... I don't know, maybe it was like a snow hurricane, which is legitimately one of these um, state explanations is it was maybe a blizzard or an earthquake or a snow hurricane. A flurricane, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you you mean like a wi- uh, like the winter cyclones that come through or the bomb cyclones? Yeah, bomb, 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 yeah the, the bomb cyclone. Yeah, whatever. bomb cyclone. Yeah, yeah, air bombs, those. Not like the kind that, say, the USSR would have made. Anyway, <laughs> the one expert that had the most crackpot theory that shared it with everybody said that, one, these injuries look like somebody who's been hit by a car, and two, Zoltaryov's DNA doesn't match any of his living relatives. I'm hmm. doing the gopher face. <laughs> dun, dun, dun! And so because his DNA doesn't match any of the living relatives, because remember, all these people had families. Yeah. So it's not like we can't track down their relatives. Yeah. Like They had people who cared about them. Yeah. The one Yuri who didn't go on the expedition died in 2013. Like, yeah. 1959 was not that long ago. Right. As much as we think it is. As much as we think yeah. it is, it's closer than you think. Yeah, I work with people who were born in 1959. They still haven't retired. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. that out there. Yeah. My, anyway. My mom was born in 57. Yeah, my, my dad, too. Yeah, yeah my, mom, my mom was born in 61. Like, yeah, it's, it's not that long it's ago. It's not that long ago. <laughs> so, because his DNA doesn't match any of the living relatives, they're like, all right, let's do some digging. And they're tablet journalists, so of course. And so what they found was that Semyon Zolotaryov is not on the list of the buried at the cemetery where his body is interred. So they stuck him in the ground and there's no record of him being there. Uh-huh. Oh, weird. That's, little that's, that's fine. Seems normal. It's perfectly normal. They did reconstruct his face based on the exhumed skull and they were like, okay, this, is, this matches post-war photos of Zolotaryov. 
they're like, this is clearly the guy. This isn't some rando who we buried in. This is definitely the guy who went with the Dietlov group and then never came back. But the tabloid journalists continued to express their doubts. And their ultimate conclusion was that Semyon Zolotaryov was not his real name, that he had some sort of assumed identity after World War II. So maybe something happened in the war. He assumed a new identity as Semyon Zolotaryov and then happened to die under mysterious circumstances. So what could have prompted him to change his name and then die in mysterious circumstances? See, I think... <laughs> this is the problem. I was friends with a lot of Russianists, so I... Hey, me. So he could have been um, in the Bitch Wars, which, fun to read up on. It's basically a bunch of criminals in gulags and he could have like supported uh like the the losing the government side. during the fight and then got sent back and like kind of figure out a way to get out mm -hmm. um he could have been a POW that was getting sent back to Russia cuz that's basically a death sentence he could have been part of the white army he like there's a couple different situations where stalin's going through purges constantly yeah. afterwards and he just didn't want to be there and i mean Russia at that time, you need to get out of where people knew you because if mm -hmm. someone says that's so and so and they'll report you to the officials, you're dead or you're going to the gulag, which isn't a great time, right? Because it's you're basically going to be worked to death or re educated, which is the worst term ever. Yeah, yeah, so that's a real bummer. And this is starting my I've been thinking about the Dietlov Pass for like a decade, <laughs> wheels turning. So let's say, hypothetically, you're a person who got out of one of those situations, assumed a new name, decided to go on a leisurely hike, and the Soviet government found out who you really were oh, no. and knew you would be in a remote area with minimal witnesses. And they just took everyone out. And they just needed to take everybody out. I'm thinking you'd have to be someone significant enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You'd have to be a white we general. We don't know that he wasn't. We don't know that he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd have to know he'd, he'd have to be like a white, one of the many colored army generals. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. believe it or not, the Russian Revolution was a bunch of colors. Armies Amazing. fighting each other. Last time Russia was good with the rainbow. Am I right, ladies? Or <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a big, like, anti-Stalin movement. Maybe even mm. one of Stalin's uh, allies who realized, Ooh. hey, Stalin's... Because Trotsky met an ice pick in Mexico, so... That's true. You know? Hello, ice pick. <laughs> nice to meet you. My name is Trotsky. Anyway, I'm going to go have margarita. On the beach. <laughs> so it could be... It have to be someone big enough that they're willing to take him out. I'm yes. going to go write some Dietlov Pass fan fiction. I'll be back in an hour <laughs> with a new theory. And, like, the other thing that I find really interesting. So we have all the details about the coroner's report about like these bones were fractured, whatever right, else. Right. Did you notice that I didn't mention anything about internal organs? No. It's because they weren't included in the report. They released no information about the state of their internal organs, which you would think in a standard investigation into a bunch of mysterious Wait. deaths would include, well, internal. their stomach contents were this, mm -hmm. their lungs looked like this, their pancreas was doing the pancreas thing. <laughs> But it didn't. There was no mention of internal organs at all. So whatever the state of their internal organs in, say they were exposed to a lot of radiation, 
which their internal organs might reflect. Ah, yeah, that's no the... information. They never released it. Yeah, I've heard and they won't let anybody rumors that they it. were radioactive a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we don't know because they only were like, well, there weren't really any external injuries and they had some broken bones. Anyway, what let's are you guys on. doing? <laughs> let's go watch a movie. Anyways, let's just put them in boxes. We'll inter them in this random hole. If there's a cemetery around it, we'll get back to it. Yeah, it's fine. And we don't mind. This is fine. Everything's fine. Anybody have any questions? No? Good. No questions. Yeah. So it's just a real fun, not fun, but like interesting, interesting, fascinating historical mystery that you just, you just keep digging through all these different layers of what could possibly have happened. This just makes me want to go back to my university because it's only about an hour away and ask my professor. (laughs) Yes, please do. And then get back to us. Because he he speaks Russian fluently. (gasps) He studies Russian media and yeah. film. Oh, one of, one of our, our English teachers has a PhD in Russian literature. I haven't asked her about that. Yeah, no, I haven't. I it ask ne- everyone. It never came so I might ask her. I'm like, I've met someone like, I meet someone like two times and I'm like, hi, I'm Courtney. Where do you work? What, what's your ideological side? What's your theory about the Dyatlov Pass incident? Like, do you think Yeti or do you think Russian government cover up? Like, what's the deal? I'll ask her next time I Please see her do. at work. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so intriguing because everyone's assumption is normally that it's the government because they did mm-hmm. so many shady things. Yeah, it was 1959. This was peak shadiness. Peak Actually, shadiness. I think there's the peak USSR. purge too. And yeah. everyone oh, yeah. being broke and dead. Mm. And then nine bodies. Who's going to look too closely at those? Who's going to look at two? Yeah, Who's nine. Who's going to look at nine bodies? bodies? That's nothing. That's a drop in the body bucket. Uh, especially for Russia after World War II, they had the highest death count. Mm-hmm. Right. They were at, I think, a million, a couple million. Yeah, something like that. They did the um, tactic of, we'll just throw people at the Nazis. Just keep throwing yeah. people at them. And then they're like, it did not work, um, which is a bummer. That is yeah. true. It did not yeah. work. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. It's just a really fascinating historical spooky mystery. Yeah. So do yeah. you want to tell everyone where to find you and to get more spoopiness? Yes, yes. I will be living at the Dietlov Pass for the rest of my life. Until <laughs> and, oh, that's the other thing. That's what I wanted to, sorry, I wanted to button this. They closed the pass for three years after the incident, but since then it's been open to the public. Interesting. Are we all going? Are we going to set Obviously. a date? Obviously. Thought... Sasha and I are there now. Yeah. So. I thought you didn't like hiking. Or I going don't outdoors. like hiking, but I love mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get like a luxury liner to just literally drop me there and then pick me up as soon as I'm like, okay, I'm over this. Amazing. <laughs> anyway, anyway, you can usually find us on the podcast Spoop Hour <laughs> at, um, we are at Spoop Hour on most social media platforms, mm-hmm. especially Twitter yep. and then Instagram where you can find pictures of things we talk about on our podcast mm-hmm. um, because podcasts are not a visual medium. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. It clearly is a visual medium because I dance every time. It clearly is a visual visual. medium. Um, (laughs) And then you can always email us um, spooky stories or things you want us to talk about on air. Or Um, Diet Love Pass theories. Diet Love Love Pass theories. If your parents ever told you something scary to get you to not do something as a child, um, tell us about that because that's what we're trying to talk about next. Um, But we are spoophour at gmail.com. Spoop is spelled with a P, not a K. penguin. And kangaroo. (laughs) Double P. It's the word poop with an S in front of it. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. It's just S-P-O-O-P. Yep. Spooky poop. Hey! As the guys on Pop Culture Bento call it. That's us. That's us. Just a lot of spooky shit. Yep. <laughs>
Okay, yep. and we'll see you guys next time when I tell you a true crime story. Yay! Are you a true crime junkie? Do you talk about true crime with your friends all of the time? And are there cases that have stuck with you for so many years because of geographic or emotional closeness? If so, then welcome to Fatalities. I'm Elisa Lucas, and this is the podcast where I explore true crime cases over tea with the help of my friends. Because without tea, friends, and good conversation, there's nothing but darkness and chaos. So grab a warm cup of tea and join me as my friends and I discuss the cases that have struck a chord with us and the related issues that might help us understand why such horrible crimes have occurred. The podcast is dropped every other Wednesday and is available on such podcatchers as Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and so much more. You may follow Fatalities on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, but don't forget that T's is spelled T-E-A-S, because here is where we spill the tea. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Where can you get hot takes about ghosts, cryptids, farts, and cats? I don't know. Where? On our podcast, Spoop Hour. Oh, that's right. Each week, we talk about the things that spook us out, and we laugh through our fear. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour, and you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or really anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Feel free to also drop us a line at spookhour at gmail.com. We want to hear about your ghosts. Thanks. Of domesticity, we're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word, or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at Domestic Podcasts, and our Instagram is at the Cult of Domesticity. We also have podcast merch at Threadless. Uh, as well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free.